Uh, well, good morning, everybody. Um, happy Mother's Day, ladies. Happy Mother's Day. My name's Robert. Amen. You're welcome, my sister. Um, my name's Robert. I'm one of the elders here. And it's um, my privilege to be sharing the word with you. Um, it's crazy because, <clears throat> you know, Mother's Day, right? Yesterday, I promised my wife that, you know what, honey? In the morning, you can have a lion. And I'm going to get up. I'm going to make breakfast for the boys. I'm going to take care of things. Don't worry. Forgetting that I was teaching this morning. And if you know anything about me, um, I always tend to leave things to the last minute. I'm a crammer. And um, yeah, that's not the way to go. Don't follow my example in that sense. So then my wife had to eventually get up, make breakfast for the two, two, eight. And you know how I even realized there's me with my head in the books and in my laptop. And all of a sudden, I just heard a knock on the door. And here was my wife with a tray and a plate full of breakfast. I felt so bad. So I need to make it up to her. So if, so if any of you... Don't worry. I'm, I, 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 wow, there's breath in my body and, and time. I'm, I'm, honey, I got you. Feedback from yesterday. Feedback next week. I'm not preaching next week. <laughs> Pastor is preaching probably next week. Hopefully next week. Um, so um, I hope as mothers you have a different Mother's Day in comparison to the, at least the beginning of my wife's Mother's Day. Um, but maybe you are as sinful as I am. You got time to make it up, amen. Even if it's a long distance call or a visit that you, you know, what I'm saying, you may need to rearrange things to make do that thing, mate. Amen. Now, apologies for my attire. Um, I don't think I'm inappropriately de- dressed, but I don't think I'm as appropriately dressed as I could be. And um, my mum's gonna kill me later when she sees me. Look, tear up jeans and quote unquote trainers and, and t-shirt. I might have to go home and get changed before I go take my mum out later. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, mums, you're the uns- Bertram said it, you're the unsung heroes of the, not just the day, but of the year, of the decade. Come on now. Um, can we have another round of applause for, for, for mums? So, <clears throat> amen. And that's genuine. Now, it being Mother's Day, yeah, would it be... Would it be unfair for me to presume that many of us need to get out of here earlier than usual today? Would it? And that a shorter message would be wonderfully appropriate. I, I, I hear some, I, I hear some half-hearted and also some hearty amens. If you're visiting with us, we're not doing a special Mother's Day service. We're actually kind of partway into a series um, that is leading up to Easter. We're prepping for Easter, getting ready for Easter, which is one of the biggest um, holy day, you know what I'm saying, um, holy that we experience throughout the course of the year. And we're doing a series, and it's called The Death of Death. And last week, um, at the beginning of our series, we talked, about, we talked about the last enemy, a definition of death, 
And um, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, at least one verse, and we said, Death, although one of our most formidable enemies, if not our greatest enemy, um, we need not be discouraged, as formidable as death is, although an enemy too strong for mere humans such as us to defeat. We don't need to be discouraged. Why? Because there's a superman, the God-man, who didn't just destroy death. Sorry, he didn't just defeat death. Ah, oh, mashed up the statement. He didn't just defeat death. What did he do? He destroyed it. Amen. Maybe that was, that was even better than it should have been. And we looked at 1 Corinthians 15. Um... One verse, verse 26, we said, the last enemy to be defeated, no, to be destroyed is death. Furthermore, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 says, our Savior, our Rescuer, our Redeemer Christ Jesus, who abolished death, abolished that enemy that we couldn't and can't wrestle to the ground, Jesus he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And hopefully we're going to see a little bit more about what that means today. So previously, we looked at this, as I said, this definition of death, the last enemy. Um, but this week, we're going to be looking at the like death again. Obviously, that's the topic. But we're going to be looking at the death of humanity, or if you like, the dawn of um, the dawn of death or the, origi the, the origin of death. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when did it begin? When was it initiated? When was, when, was, when was death instituted? And our text is Romans chapter 5. Don't be nervous by the fact that it's verse 12 to 21. Um, if you do the like, quick maths, you can work that out. I don't know how many verses that is. But would you please, please, please... Turn with me in your Bible if you have one or on your app. Um, one of the apps that I use is um, the U version. I don't know if anyone else uses that. Um, but with many of these Bible apps, you can kind of select the translation you want to read from. Oh my gosh, like, like we've got no excuse living in the day in which we live. You know what I mean? And um, so if you would turn with me, I'm going to be using the ESV. So please, I'm begging you, car. I'm going to be often inviting you to look at the text. And nine times out of ten, I'm not going to put the text of Romans up. I am at one point. But most of the time, I'm not going to put the text up on the screen. And, I, and I'd really invite you, petition you. I would beg you, do look at the text with me. Because that's how you're really going to benefit. Because you can, like you, I can stand up and say, otherwise I can stand up here and say what I want. The question we're going to answer today in view of the title is, where did it all go wrong? And I think that's a good question to ask because there's a whole heap of stuff that's in a mess right now. And it's not even, it's not even, it's not even with reference to the current climate. Like things have been a mess for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And by virtue of the fact that we are now alive... It does us well to look around, and if we're honest, there's a whole... That the question is, in view of the fact that there's a lot wrong, where did it go wrong? Now, most 
of us are familiar with computers, and especially if you have a PC, you know about viruses. Now, I'm not a Mac fanboy, but Macs do tend to have less issues with viruses, but they're not oblivious to viruses, right? Um, but, the, but imagine, you know, you've got, you got sick people who get a kick out of creating these viruses that cause nothing but destruction with regards to our files and our computers, right? Sometimes, sometimes creating irreparable damage. You ever had, like, a virus that mash up your hard drive to the point where you lose all of your information, all them pictures that you had for 22 years, back up. You know what I mean? Spend the extra 70 pound, 80 pound. You can get like six terabyte hard drives for like 120. Get one of them and back up your system. <laughs> Otherwise, this, you're going to be balling, living eye water. I don't want to lose that stuff that I have on my computer slash computers, right? My desktop and then my, 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 my laptop. Oi, Pastor E, a lie? Man. I'm all, like, well, we sit to Pastor E, Pastor E, you back up your laptop yet? You know what I mean? Like when the new system come out and you've you got to upgrade. All right then. Why? Because, and it's funny because we got, what, you got Norton's, you got Kaspersky, you got McAfee, Semantic. And um, <laughs> for us cheapskates who don't want to pay nothing, we got AVG, right? Yeah. It, it works for me, I think. Up till now, <laughs> at least. I hope. I live in hope. The point is, one person... One person's work can have devastating consequences that affect millions of people. I wonder if you see the point that I'm trying to make. One person sitting in a little dark room. One person. Remember how they mash up the NHS computer system at one point? And I'm saying something like hackers can take down like a whole country in terms of their computer system. You know what I mean? One person that can affect many. Now, the virus <clears throat> that is created causes serious damage. But we're talking about a virus that's much more serious. A virus that not just causes damage and destruction, but actually causes death. And that's what we're going to read about in our text today. But that's the bad news. The good news is that there's an antivirus. Amen. And we're going to come to that. So the death, <clears throat> the death of humanity, the, the dawn or the origin of death. Hopefully you're with me now in Romans chapter 5. We're going to start reading at verse 12. And then I'm going to pray. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men and women, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned. You hear that word? Undisputable champion to some degree. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. 
Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive, who receive, who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's disobedience, the many will be made righteous. I'm going to stop at verse 19. Now, go back to verse 12, right? Which is the first verse that I read. What's the first word of the first verse? Therefore, you know the rule. Well, if you've been around here for a minute, whenever you see a therefore, you have to back up and see what it's there for, right? The previous verses, verse 1 to 11, pretty much reiterate what we talked about last week. So if you weren't here last week, you can listen to the podcast, sermon.net. Just type in Calvary Chapel, South London, which is our previous name, or Ecclesia, and you should be able to find our podcast, and you'll be able to look up last week's message, plus a whole host. I think there's like nearly eight, nine, maybe ten years of messages on there from um, stuff that we've preached over the years. So, therefore, <clears throat> see, verse 1 to 11 describes Jesus' death and the fact that his death conquered death. Jesus Christ brought about the death of death. Without Jesus, we got nothing to talk about today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of Jesus, though, we do have something to talk about and we have a response to this very, very serious issue of death. We have a remedy. We have what they call a prophylactic. We have an antidote. We have an alternative to death. Now, if that ain't good news, I don't know what is. Now, that's verse 1 to 11 of this chapter. Now, our verses will discuss how death came about, and you probably began to pick it up as we read it. First of all, the writer, who is Paul the Apostle, he assumes that Adam is a real, genuine, historical, factual individual. I just mentioned that. And the whole, the whole story surrounding Adam, so if you want to talk about him and his wife being the initial mother and father of all humankind... Like the first two people created, not born so they don't have belly buttons, right? A real garden in a real country, somewhere in our very, very real natural world. Some say the Middle East because of the rivers that flow in and or out of the, the Garden of Eden are found in, in the Middle East. There is um, 
There is, it's inconclusive because there are two of the other two actually can't be found, those rivers. And so there's debate over as to exactly where the, I mean, who, like, who knows where the Garden of Eden is? And even if you did find it, there's a big old angel standing outside who's going to prevent you from going in there anyway, right? This is stuff that Paul believes. He believes in the two mystical trees, the tree of, you know what I'm saying, the wisdom, the, the, the knowledge of, of good and evil, and also the tree of life. He believes in a talking snake who's magically related to a spiritual being called Satan who predates the creation of Adam and Eve. Forbidden fruit. Fruit. The Bible doesn't say apple, right? And you know how I feel about that already, right? <laughs> he believes in the God of... I believe it was a mango. He believes in the... He, I, I, just can't, I, just can't, I just can't prove it. He, he believes... He be you never heard me say that one already, Paul. Uh, it's, maybe it's a good thing I mentioned it again. Half of the church have known that already, but he believes in the God of creation. Notice, walking, talking, and relating to Adam and Eve in a perfect three-dimensional environment. Paul, Paul assumes all of this, you know what I'm saying, as he writes. And by the way, Jesus also makes reference to a real Adam and Eve when he's challenged on the issue of marriage and divorce in Matthew 19. And I say that because, you know, there's a whole group of people who, quote unquote, trust the Bible, don't believe in a literal Adam and Eve. That's another issue for another time. This garden called Eden, it's a utopian heaven on earth but it tragically becomes a paradise lost, right? Through the event described now in our text. Answering the question, where did it all go wrong? In an environment that had only ever experienced life and love and healthy relationships and pleasure and joy, what was it that initiated this new phenomena of pain and suffering and broken relationships and death. Stuff that we still are experiencing 6,000 years later, approximately. Well, believe it or not, this is actually, this was actually a present. It's a gift to humankind, would you believe? Provided for us by our great-grandparent, Adam, although he wasn't the only culprit, right? you got the whole thing about Eve actually being the one who ate the fruit first. But again, that's another issue. Stuff that we've kind of dealt with, don't want to kind of go over that ground. Um, because we have done in the past, and two, we don't have time today. I want to focus on this issue of death. Well, what a gift. Like, who wants it? <laughs> Whether you want it or not, you got it, right? <laughs> and um, we're going to see that that isn't the only gift that humankind has been offered. There's another gift giver in our text, you may have noticed. One gift giver has a package marked death. One gift giver has a, a parcel that's marked life. And it's funny because both of those gift givers have the same name. No. You know, it's funny because like, there's loads of people who have different names in the Bible. There's some that only, you, only, you only come up once, like David. You know, or at least like when you think of David, you only think about one person. You know what I mean? Judas. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when you think of Moses. 
I'm saying. When you think of Adam, you only normally think of one Adam, don't you? Well, actually, there's two. And um, my message today in relation to that really has two points. The first point is the gift of sin and death through one man, which is verse 12 to 14, and then the gift of righteousness and life through one man, verse 15 to 21. Two simple points. So look with me now at verse 12 again. We've only done one word of the one verse. You'd be like, how are we going to get through this? All right, watch. Therefore, right, based on the fact that Jesus has conquered death, verse 1 through 11, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men and women because all sinned. Question, how did sin come into the world? Thank you. Um, I hear different bits and pieces, but through one man, the text says, right? Through one man. Who was that man? Adam. Now, I know that this is like, it's no-brainer stuff, right? So, right, just stick with me. That one man was Adam, and we will see that clarified in verse 14. What did sin bring? Pastor E. Sin brings disaster, yet you try to cover with a plaster, a band-aid. Prescriptions is man-made. You should have took the advice that your grand gave. Now watch your plan fade and God's wrath will hit you like a ram raid. The devil turned you into a slave and he'll strip what he gave and take your soul down to the grave. The Lord will humble you, bring you down low like a sharp fade. The devil played you like an arcade. If you're saved, it's exciting. But if you're lost, it's frightening, scary light, lightning. Trust, all the silly games that you play, look, it's over. So stop trying to front on Jehovah. Every single word that you speak in his name that is idle, he'll have you up in his court for libel. You'll hear this disciple, just like statistics is vital. You better get your nose in our Bible. And that's what we're doing now, isn't it? We got our nose in the Bible. What did sin bring? I just said it bring disaster and a holy for things, right? Thank you. Sin brings death. Verse 12. Right, that's clear, right? Verse 12. Just to read it again. Therefore, I'm going to add another piece to it. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men and women, that is to mankind, men, mankind, because all sinned. Now, remember I said, well, <laughs> I'm going to try and prove that beyond any reasonable, at least reasonable doubt that this is true, right? Now, can I ask you to help me? I know, um, I know some of you don't even know me, and you might be like, well, I don't even know you. Why should I help you? Um, humor me at this point, um, and I'd like to say here is proof, at least beyond you know, semi-reasonable doubt. Um, some of the lawyers in here, I think we've got two or three of them in here, um, solicitors and that might want to pull me up at the end. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> Please put up your hand if you haven't sinned. Let me say that again. Please put up your hand if you haven't sinned. Okay. Please put up your hand if you have sinned. I got both hands up. Now, I can do this experiment in this room. You know that this room or this 
part of this building is part of a bigger building, which is an apartment building upstairs. I don't know, maybe 50, 100 apartments above us. I could do the test that I just did in here. I could do it in the whole apartment block. I could do it in the whole of Lewisham, the whole of London, the whole of the UK, Europe, and the world. The unequivocal, at least honest response will always be the same. Black or white, rich or poor, young or old, male or female, L, G, B, T, Q, boys and girls are sinners. Dads are sinners. And I'm sorry on a day like today, I have to also mention that ladies, mothers even, are sinners. Is that a little person defending their mum right there? <laughs> I ain't going to argue with that one. Yeah, man. Humans, past, present, and future. And how can I say that? Well, like at the end of verse 12, it says, because all sinned. So verse 12 is the rationale for our subject today. What is the origin of death? Sin as introduced by Adam. Now you can read the story about Adam in more detail in Genesis chapter 3. So hopefully I've kind of semi-proved one point. I'm a second point, (laughs) providing what I again would argue proof beyond any kind of reasonable doubt. And this one's even better. Is death. So, again, put your hand up if you're not going to die. Or should I say, put your hand up if you're deluded and think that you're not going to die, right? <laughs> See, if I could speak to the dead, I'd say, I'd say thanks. Thanks for the gift of sin and death, Adam. Thank you. Thanks. That is Adam number one. Now we get the opportunity to meet Adam, at least in a minute, Adam number two. But before that, notice the dash or the hyphen. I don't think it's a hyphen. The English teachers can help me in the text. Look at the end of verse 12. That's why you got to, like when you read the Bible, my gosh, it's deep, you know. That's why them people who say, oh, the Bible's this, the Bible's full of contradictions. I'm like, Really? Anytime someone says that to me, oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. One of the first things I say is, for real, it's full of, yeah, it's full of contradictions. I'm like, cool, show me three. Never met anybody that's been able to show me three. Only a few Muslims who have some apparent contradictions. You know what I'm saying? Um, And it's mostly because they don't actually understand the Bible in its context. Now I'm going to make reference, not even to words. I'm making reference to a hyphen. Hey. Can you notice in your translation, hopefully, a hyphen at the end of verse 12? You see, Paul's making a statement here. Then from verse 13 to verse 17 is actually what they call a parenthesis. Paul does this all the time. He's like me and Pastor E. He's long. He'll make a statement. (laughs) You're laughing at me because I said Pastor E's long. 
No, man. I'm probably one of the only people that can get away with saying that. So I'm gonna say, you know, it's like when you like your wife, she's the only one that can get away with saying certain things about you, right? So I will say, I'll say it again. <laughs> and, and the thing is, we're in good company because Paul does it all the time. The brother starts off, he makes this statement in verse 12. Then the hyphen, is it a hyphen or what is, what is that? The English teachers help me. That dash, hyphen, whatever. Now he goes off on a parenthesis and begins to elaborate because he's trying to help you to understand what he says in verse 12 and then he'll conclude later on, right? So just, I don't know if that, that, I saw that and I thought that was worth mentioning anyway because it helps us to understand the text better in its context. And Paul is going to go off on a tangent and he's going to use an analogy comparing two men, possibly the two most important men in all history. Because these two men form the head of two groups. People talk about different races, you know what I'm saying? From a biblical point of view, there's only one race. It's called a human race. But then, if you really want to be technical, there are two races. There are those who are in Adam, and then there are those who are in Christ. They're the only two races. And this is what Paul is going to begin to tease out here in our text. He continues to describe the present or the gift, or if you can call it that, this virus that was given to us by the first man. Let's call him Adam number one, right? Verse 13, if you read with me, says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. That's talking about the Ten Commandments. But sin is not counted where there is no law. So the law, the Ten Commandments, came when and through who? Right, the second part, the through who part, you probably can answer. When, you might not be able to answer. Who did the Ten Commandments come through? Moses, thank you. How many of you know that was a long time after Adam? Approximately two and a half thousand years later. You know what I'm saying? So that's how long and through who this law or the Ten Commandments came. Verse 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So Adam transgressed, right, a direct command. Remember, don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Or what will happen? You would die, said God. The snake said, serpent said, Satan said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. But like I said, you want to read the full story, read Genesis 3. But God gave Adam what? A direct command. And it's funny because as a result, obviously, eventually he did die. And actually, he died twice. But more about that next week, right? And <clears throat> but Adam had a direct command from God. Everybody else after Adam didn't have a command directly, personally given to them by God, right? But they all died nonetheless. Theologically, this is known as the doctrine of original sin. It's going back to this, the virus that infects and affects every single individual who 
is born of Adam. Back to verse 14. Yet death, which is our big topic, yet death reigned. Look at that word. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Notice the next part of the verse. Who was what? Thank you, sis. Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, so who is this other one to come? Who is this other man who Adam was a type of? We began to talk about it last week, and I skipped it. And I said, let's not talk about it now, because we're going to talk about it last week. Probably none of you is listening, and you don't remember. But I remind you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 and 22, we didn't do. And it says, for as by a man, now this is 1 Corinthians, this ain't Romans. First, the whole Bible is consistent and it fits together. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 22, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Can you see two men there? For as in Adam, all die. We proved that a minute ago. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. Hmm. That's a real contrast, isn't it? To Adam's. Now listen, verse 45, same chapter, a bit later. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, the first Adam became a living being. God breathed into him. The last, oh, Adam. Oh, there's another Adam. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Big difference between the two. (laughs) Verse 46, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Am I supporting my argument that there are two Adams? Now that we've been further introduced to Adam number two, we're familiar with Adam number one. Adam number two is who? Jesus. Amen. And Jesus. Amen. So you know, you know where I'm going, isn't it? Back to our text in Romans 5. In similar fashion to Adam number one, Adam number two also has a few gifts for us that contrast with sin. And death. Those were the gifts that the first Adam gave us, right? Um, Let's talk now about the gift of righteousness and life through one man. Verse 15, well, to 21, but we're going to stop at verse 19. And notice just how many times these contrasting gifts are mentioned. Listen to how many times the word gift comes up. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift... Following many trespasses brought justification. Can you see the the contrast? Verse 17, if because of one man's trespass, death 
reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Not only is there potential of a new, different, contrasting gift to the one that Adam gave us. Notice the, again, English teachers, help me. Notice the adjective or the verb. I'm thinking about a descriptive word, right? That's used in conjunction with gift. Gift came up like five times. What's the word that came before it? Thank you. Free. This describes salvation or redemption or the rescue package that God provided for us sinners through Christ Jesus. So, we've got two Adams. Adam number one. There's only one in the whole Bible. But actually, no, there's two. Adam number two, who's Jesus. You've got two teams. Team Adam, team Jesus. And how many of you know, if you're in a team... Even though you ain't the captain, right? Even if you ain't the man that scores the goal. How many of you know, if I'm in the same team as Byron, if Byron scores, I rejoice. I say, we scored. I never kicked the ball in the net. I'm the goalkeeper. You know what I'm saying? But I refer to what he did as something that we all celebrate. I was hoping that at this point I could have said, we are in the Carabao, we, we, we won the Carabao Cup final, or we are in the FA Cup final, I'm an Arsenal fan, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I can't say that now. But that's what you say about your team, isn't it, D? That's what you say about Tottenham, are flying up until just last week. I was sorry, bro. You know what I mean? But you're still flying. Liverpool, if you're a Liverpool fan, football's my, my thing, and it's it? the best analogy I can think of. But you get my point, right? You know what I'm saying? If you're in the team. Now, we never did what Adam did, but guess what? We're in his team. But there's the option to join another team. Team Jesus. Two Adams, two teams, two gifts. One of them we've been given, whether you wanted it or you didn't want it, you got it. I got it. We got it. Sin and death. But then there's another gift that we are being offered as a replacement. Will you take it? Earlier, by your own admission, (laughs) you said that you've received the first gift, death, because you admitted that you're a sinner. Will you now be willing to recognize that seriously and then in place of that unwanted gift, who wants that? In place of that unwanted gift, will you receive the replacement gift? Righteousness in place of unrighteousness. Grace and mercy in place of judgment. Justification in place of condemnation, will you receive life in place of death? 
See, one Adam failed to take responsibility in the Garden of Eden. He failed to take responsibility for himself, for his wife, and the whole human race. Failed to take responsibility. But then the last Adam, Jesus. One of the things we talk about when we talk about men's ministries, you want to know what a real man is? I mean, Jesus, he's the answer every time. One of the ways we describe that he's a real man is because he's willing to take responsibility. And he takes responsibility not just for himself. He takes responsibility for others. That's a real man right there. And Jesus, the last Adam. Remember the first Adam fell in a garden. Well, the, the last Adam. Jesus made up his mind in a garden that as much as it was hard for him to drink that cup, he said, Father, not my will, your will be done. And he drained the cup. People say Jesus died on a cross. Yes, he did. But then it could be argued, no, he didn't. Jesus died in the garden of Gethsemane. When he made up his mind to walk in and fulfill the purpose of God. And that's a challenge, isn't it? It's like we're we're faced with challenges all the time. And I know some of us in here have some bitter cups that we're confronted with. And some who have taken that cup and drunk that cup. I'm saying, in pursuit of the will of the Father, I thank God for your lives. Sometimes I think your testimony, going through difficult and like dark and challenging circumstances, and people look at you and say, rah, you're still alive. What? You're still standing. What after what you've been through? You know, I think that's a bigger testimony than saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a king's kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going. I know we sang the song earlier, but we sing that song in context. Some sing it like, I'm a king's kid. I should be driving a Mercedes. I'm a, I'm a king's kid. I should have the best of everything. Then the world would look at me and say, oh, Maybe I need to become a Christian because look at how blessed Christians are. I personally think you who are going through difficulty, challenging and testing and come through it, you're a, you're a greater testimony to the glory of God. You know what I'm saying? Because people can relate to you. Everybody's going through drama of one shape or fashion. You know what I'm saying? Um... I was supposed to be wrapping up, you know. Did you hear me coming into land? I know the preachers in there were, you heard me coming in. I bet you was like, Pastor, Pastor Rob's coming into land. And then all of a sudden, whoa, I'm, all right, let's, let's begin the descent again. So one Adam failed to take responsibility in the garden, but then we have the last Adam, Jesus, who takes responsibility, you know what I'm saying, in another garden and eventually culminates that on the cross. When he experienced, notice, the very penalty of death in our place. That's him taking our responsibility. And in dying, it's crazy. In dying, he brought about the death of death. Through his death and then his resurrection because he rose from the dead because death can't hold him. Verse 18 and 19, therefore, based on what we just said, if we back up and see what this therefore is there for. Therefore, based on all that I just said in the past 25, 30 minutes, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men and women, so one act of righteousness 
leads to justification and life for all men and women and children. Verse 19, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The death of death. Jesus abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I'm going to invite the, the praise team to come and join me as I pray. Father, thank you. We got so much to thank you for. Thank you, Lord, today is Mother's Day and we get to celebrate mums because of the wonderful sacrifice that they make for us. Yet, Lord, we can thank you also for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Jesus coming as the last Adam and conquering death. That enemy that we have, that we could never conquer. Your word helps us to see, Lord, where this plague, this virus that we all experience the repercussions of, the penalty of. We see where it comes from. And I thank you because, Lord, your word lays it out in such clarity. It's like 3D, HD, like 4K clarity. If anybody really wants to know what I go on in life, the Bible. And so, Father, for these things, again, thank you. And, Lord, as we continue to commit ourselves to you, help us to play for team Jesus in a way that we ought to. Lord, we know what it's like to play in team Adam. Help us to recognize that we've been transitioned. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you signed a transfer fee for us, took us out of one team, and you placed us in another. And it's not even because we're great. It's far from because we're great. It's because you're great. And it's because you're good. so much to thank you for in Jesus name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.